Who defines love for you? Who defines love for you personally? Another way to frame that question would be, who is the major contributor to your understanding of what love really is? That's a crucial issue for each of us to address. It's a crucial issue for every human person to address. Because I would contend that whoever defines love for you defines to a great extent how you love other people. As human beings, we tend to love as we have been loved and according to our ideas about love. Now that's not bad if you've experienced true love in your life and have learned what real love is all about. But it can be disastrous, disastrous, if you've experienced and been influenced by some counterfeit version of love. And there are lots of those out there in the world right now. This is why people who abuse others emotionally, physically, or sexually very often come from abusive backgrounds themselves. Love has been defined for these abusers by the person or the persons who abused them. And that experience of false love now directly influences how they treat the people they live and associate with and interact with on a daily basis. I would say that in our society at the present time, love is being defined for many people by none other than Mr. Hugh Hefner of Playboy fame. And sad to say, it's been that way now for decades. That is a real problem. Because for these men and women, love ends up becoming little more than a synonym for sex. And that direct or almost direct association of love with sex has some very practical consequences. This is what leads many couples to cohabitate before marriage and to contracept within marriage. It also leads many people to be unfaithful in their marriages. And it's one of the biggest reasons why we have such a high divorce rate right now in this country. You see, according to Hugh Hefner's understanding of love, pleasure is the operative principle. So once the pleasure is gone, so is the relationship. And of course, if marriage is about love, and love is almost exclusively about sex and pleasure, then why shouldn't gay couples be allowed to marry? Don't they deserve some pleasure, some quote-unquote love in their lives? See, that's the twisted logic of many supporters of so-called gay marriage. And if you don't believe me, just ask our brilliant legislators here in the quote-unquote Catholic state of Rhode Island who voted for it two weeks ago. That skewed logic makes perfect sense in their minds, and it's ultimately because they've unknowingly allowed a man like Hugh Hefner to define love for them.
I remember seeing an interview with Hefner on TV a while back, one of the cable news channels, and somebody asked him a very good question. The interviewer said, Mr. Hefner, don't you feel any regrets about using these young women and allowing them to use you? And you know what he said in his response? In effect, he said, no, not at all. He said, look, if we're all aware of the fact that we are using each other, but we all derive pleasure from the experience, what does it matter? And you want to know why so many people today feel alone and unloved and abused, even though they're having lots and lots of sex? This is one of the major reasons why they are using each other for pleasure through sex, and they think it's love. As Catholic Christians, our ultimate definer of love is supposed to be Jesus Christ, not Hugh Hefner, not any other human person. In today's Gospel reading from John 17, Jesus prays. He prays that his love, rooted in the Father, will be present in each and every one of us. Now, he said this at the Last Supper, the night before he died for us, out of love. He had said something similar earlier in the meal, which is recorded for us in John chapter 13. There he said, and here I quote, As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. Notice the qualifying phrase there. As I have loved you. If Jesus had simply said, love one another, and then stopped right there, it would be perfectly acceptable to have somebody like Hugh Hefner define love for us. We would even be able to define love for ourselves. But because Jesus added those five little words, as I have loved you, all those other options are off the table, so to speak. This means that our personal view of love is to be formed, first and foremost, based on the words and deeds of Jesus Christ, who has revealed to us in his very person the love of the Heavenly Father. So what exactly was the love of Jesus Christ like? What were the primary qualities of the love that Jesus Christ showed to other people when he walked the face of this earth 2,000 years ago? Well, first of all, the love of Jesus was selfless. Not selfish. Selfless. Our Lord never once thought of himself first. He always thought of others and the needs of others before he thought of his own needs. In fact, the whole reason he came to this earth in the first place 2,000 years ago was to save us from our sins and from eternal death. To save us. We are the ones who have benefited from the incarnation and the salvific activity of our Savior. When all was said and done, the only thing that Jesus himself got out of coming to this earth, out of the experience of becoming man, the only things he got out of it all were a bloody sweat, a big heavy cross, 
and five holes in his body. So the love of Jesus was selfless. The love of our Savior was also patient. Now he showed patience with everybody, but I would say he showed patience in a special way toward his apostles because they were not the best and the brightest when our Lord first called them. They weren't even close to being that. It took those men a long time to grow, to mature in their faith. But through all those growing pains, Jesus was patient with them. He showed them unbelievable patience. He was patient with Peter at Caesarea Philippi when he put his foot in his mouth and said the wrong thing. He was patient with Peter after his three denials. He was patient with Thomas in his doubts. He was patient with Matthew in his worldliness, in his materialism. That's because real love is patient. As St. Paul tells us explicitly in that beautiful passage we all know, 1 Corinthians 13. The love of Jesus was also, and this is so important, a forgiving love. Forgiveness needs to be a part of every interpersonal relationship. Because every interpersonal relationship on this earth involves people who are sinners and who consequently hurt one another, at least from time to time. If you have to show forgiveness to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, to your friends, join the club. Join the club. If forgiveness is not present in a relationship, that relationship does not survive. It's that simple. Well, not surprisingly, Jesus is our great role model for forgiveness since he forgave the people who hated him and murdered him while they were in the process of murdering him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Some people take it to be a sign of weakness that, that they forgive others. That's wrong. Forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. It takes incredible strength, incredible inner strength, to forgive other people from the heart. Especially when those people who have offended us are not sorry. Like the people who murdered Jesus were not sorry. They weren't repenting at the foot of the cross. They were calling him names, etc. Think of the people who were wounded. Think of the people who lost loved ones in the terrorist attack in Boston on Patriot's Day. How hard must it be, how hard will it be for them to forgive? No, forgiveness is not easy. But it is possible by the grace of God which comes to us through Jesus Christ, the greatest forgiver of all. Finally, the love of Jesus was self-sacrificial. Our Lord said, greater love nobody has than to lay down his life for his friends. Real, genuine, true love always finds its greatest and most perfect expression in sacrifice. I mentioned this in my Ascension Thursday homily, but I'll repeat it again today because it fits in so well. I ask you this morning, weren't you moved 
Weren't you inspired the other day when you watched the news footage of the police and medical personnel and the ordinary private citizens who were rushing to the aid of those injured by the explosions at the marathon? Weren't you inspired, moved by that? I certainly was. What was moving and inspiring was the fact that these men and women were clearly putting their own lives on the line as they were helping those in need. For all these rescuers knew, there were more bombs in Copley Square that were about to go off. But they went in anyway. They sacrificed themselves anyway. That is the love of Jesus Christ in action. And that is why the greatest visual definition of love is and always will be the cross. Specifically in the form of the crucifix with the body of Jesus visibly hanging there. In closing, I should also add the point that many of us in this church right now have been blessed. We've been blessed to experience real love. That is to say, we've been blessed to experience the selfless, patient, forgiving, self-sacrificial love of Jesus Christ through our earthly mothers. And for that, we say a special thank you on this Mother's Day to God and also to them. So, who defines love for you? Who is the major contributor to your understanding of what love really is? For each and every one of us and for every single Catholic Christian, may it always be Jesus, Jesus, and only Jesus.